Welcome to the Jesus Movement Podcast, presented by Awaken the Dawn. We host conversations so you can hear stories from across the movement, receive fresh biblical insights, and gain practical tools to experience more of Jesus's presence in your life, ministry, and city, because we believe Jesus changes everything. Hey, welcome everybody to today's podcast episode. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly, and I'm here with Awaken the Dawn founder and director, David Bradshaw. And there are some exciting things stirring right now for Awaken the Dawn. And we believe God's really speaking to us in a profound way about things that are really important to his heart, about communities being birthed and multiplied all over the earth that are gathering around his presence and ministering to him at the heart of all they do so that the gospel can go forth and the kingdom of God can be released and really revival can be released into the earth. And so we're going to dive in today to some of the biblical story where we see the Book of Acts movement that happened in the early church and the way God expanded and multiplied the church and how that relates actually to what's happening right now in Awaken the Dawn and in all of our lives. If we want to be a part of what God's doing, this is right at the heart of it. And so be sure to stay with us for this whole episode. We have some exciting announcements that we're going to be making towards the end of the episode about what's stirring with Awaken the Dawn. So you don't want to miss that. David, welcome back to the podcast. It's a joy to be here. Well, uh, most people know who you are as the founder of Awaken the Dawn, but if anybody's tuning in for the first time, maybe for this episode, uh, yeah, maybe just take a minute, introduce yourself so everybody knows who you are. Sure. Yeah. David Bradshaw currently reside in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is outside of D.C. and have been laboring with Awaken the Dawn for the past six years. Also planted a house of prayer here in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, a local church. And I'm just excited about the privilege of being able to be part of what the Holy Spirit's doing Hmm. all over the world right now. So uh, yeah, I'm excited for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You can kind of start where you want, but I was thinking maybe we could start with some of the biblical narrative uh, and and some of the word that God is speaking, because I, I feel like he's speaking. I know that there's some personal stuff happening in your world, and I want to share some of that and some of the cool stories, really, that are unfolding and updates for Awaken the Dawn. But we want to talk about this expansion, this this idea of multiplication. And so where do you see that, David, in the scriptures as you look? maybe the book of Acts that as sort of what's in God's heart regarding, you know, multiplying present centered communities. Yeah. This has been a journey we've been on for years. And, you know, a lot of what we've done with Awaken the Dawn over the five plus years, starting on the National Mall, were these catalytic events. I think there's been about eight hundred tent events through Tent America and Awaken the Dawn and the Big Tent and all that. So it's been a just an unbelievable six about almost six years now, I guess, we're coming close to. And but you know, one of the primary questions for me, and I know for all of us, is the why behind the what. What's the storyline? What's in God's heart? And I think that the clarity to that has been always present, but just getting stronger and more amplified in the past season. I I remember when we had our friend Alan Hood, who's a dear friend of ours and, and was here in Fredericksburg with us for six months, one day we sat down for lunch and he said, what does it look like five years from now for you on a personal level or on a ministry level, all of the above? And you ever had those moments where you start saying things and as you're expressing them, 
it's actually revelation as it's coming out of your mouth. And it was one of those moments because I began to talk about this multiplication of present-centered, prayer-based communities all over the nation and serving that as a primary focus. And I think that that's important for all that's happening, not just in Awaken the Dawn, but across the nations. But specifically in our little world, events are not the primary goal or objective. They're catalytic, they're helpful, they're resources, but that's not the why. And that's not the ultimate objective of all that's been happening with the tent events and the the National Mall and and whatever has happened in the past five years that has been just such a a blast. It's been amazing uh, to see it unfold. But I think that understanding that what Jesus is doing on the earth right now looks like something. Yeah, He has a blueprint. He has a dream. He has a strategy. He has values. Hmm. And that goes without saying, but the journey of exploring that and getting clarity on that, I found to be just such a significant process, not so much just getting that from prophetic words or dreams or catalytic events, but really rooting it in the blueprint of the scriptures right. and the historical narrative that Jesus has been unfolding. And so from my perspective, the book of Acts is not just history, but also a blueprint and a template for this multiplication and expansion of communities that are hosting the Lord's presence, that are ministering to Jesus, that are participating in the Great Commission. This is really the point of the spear for the completion of the Great Commission So I've had a fresh fascination with the book of Acts, just mining that out and getting understanding. So oftentimes we've said the term Antioch communities, and that's a reference to Acts chapter 13, where you had the first ever real Gentile, predominantly Gentile church expression begin to take root in Antioch, which is modern day Turkey. And of course, Paul was there, Apostle Paul, Barnabas. And it really was a watershed moment. It changed history. In fact, we're probably here today because of what God did in Antioch almost 2,000 years ago. So it's hard to overstate how important the church of Antioch was. And I think it serves as a blueprint of some core values. Obviously, culture is different. All of that differs from nation to nation to people group to people group, as well as just different timeframes in history. But the DNA the blueprint, the values actually remain relevant and central to what Jesus is doing today. So I find Jesus' ways fascinating that he is in this process of replication and multiplication. Mm. You know, I, I, I think I've said a few times, I don't think we really have the option of participating in Jesus' movement, meaning that expansion and multiplication of uh, communities and disciples across the world. That That is actually all of us, regardless right. of our vocation, assignment, that Jesus is moving and expanding for his glory and for the sake of the nations. And so that's our world. And it's more saying yes to him than it is pursuing our dreams. Yeah. And I think that's part of the pivot of all of this is it's not just what's your dream and how do you pursue it? It's what's his dream and how do I align with it? I think more so. Come on. So that that's a lot of what's in our heart. And I think it's the primary purpose for all the tents, the gatherings, the movement. It is to serve communities that are living and moving in 
these values. And the values aren't complicated. It's surprisingly uncomplicated and also surprisingly rare. And I think that's because it's costly. Yeah. And so it, it's expanding rapidly across the earth. And yet it's surprisingly rare, especially in the American church, to be honest, mm-hmm. to actually walk out the values that you see in the church at Antioch in Acts 13, as well as the rest of the book, but especially Acts 13. It's it's so clear. There's three verses in Acts 13, one through three that just give you this statement. It's like this profound blueprint of how that church was operating together that became the catalyst for global missions, really, and and for transformation across the earth. So yeah, it's a really exciting journey. Yeah, well, I mean, you and I, we we're house of prayer guys. I mean, we grew up in the prayer room. That's how we connected. And really, Awaken the Dawn was birthed out of a Antioch community, if you want to call it that, a community that was ministering to the Lord, gathering in prayer, going out, doing the Great Commission, making disciples, doing these values, which I'd love for you to get into here. And then the Lord began to expand and to send out and, re- and to speak and to release assignments. So, I mean, this whole Awaken the Dawn movement was birthed out of communities like this. And it's always been, I know, our hearts to see sustainable prayer, worship, missions in local communities with discipleship as part of the culture of the body of Christ at large. I believe that's really, really what we're after. We do a lot of events and tents and that kind of thing, but it has to come into the day-to-day, week-to-week in our local communities. So you said blueprint a couple of times. You said core values. Yeah, I think we should get into that a little bit, you know, and look at some of these verses, like what are those values? What are those things that we see specifically in Antioch and in the book of Acts? Like what are some of those components? Yeah, I think if we read these passages, not simply as history, but as templates, as blueprints and values, that Jesus is multiplying to this day. And they're countercultural in many ways. They are extremely exhilarating because we were born for it. Yeah. But it is also costly. And because of that, it's relatively rare. And uh, so I, the, the key passage for me would be Acts 13, 1 through 3. It's just three verses. And uh, I'll just read them here. It says, and Now there were at the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a long, lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord with fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So here we have three verses. It's like so much history in these three verses, but it is a template. It is an invitation to local communities across the earth. And the first thing you see is prophets and teachers together. I think that's amazing because if you know anything about prophets and teachers, at times, just in terms of personality and gift mix, it can be a little bit like oil and water. You tend to have these two things live in different worlds. There's more prophetic and or charismatic type expressions. And then you have your more theologically oriented teacher type personalities. But at Antioch, those two things existed together in a high degree of fullness the word and the spirit, basically. And so that's number one. Number two, you have this list of names. So you have not just one senior pastor, leader type individual. You have this team of people that is not only functioning as a team, but is also multi-ethnic. 
you have Jewish men, you have Gentiles, you have someone who's called Niger, which means he was of African descent. You have someone that worked in governmental positions with Herod the Tetrarch, was related to that, lived in that governmental arena. You know, you have businessmen, you have missionaries, they're all together. So there's this multi-ethnic, and we read this and kind of gloss over, but it's this is a remarkable miracle to have Jews and Gentiles and Greeks and Africans and business leaders and ministry leaders all together as family knit together in, in a profound sense of community. You see an, an amazing ethnic diversity. So there's prophets and teachers, and there's an ethnic diversity in Antioch as part of the blueprint. And then it says, while they were worshiping or ministering to the Lord with fasting. So right there, you have this statement of the lifestyle of the church at Antioch. There's nothing in the text that says they were in a crisis. You know, there's there's a time to pray and fast when there's a crisis. But in this case, there was a worship culture with fasting and prayer. That was a lifestyle. And I often have thought, why were they living that way? What motivated them? Because if you've ever been with a community that is living a lifestyle of ministering to God or worshiping as a lifestyle, centering their, orienting their life together around the presence of God. That's what this is talking about. That is, it's a very disruptive thing. There's gotta be a very clear why behind the what. Nobody just does that. You don't just go, oh, hey, let's gather on a regular basis for long hours of worship and singing and creativity and prayer and calling on the name of, of Jesus. Like that doesn't happen without some kind of clear sense of motive, of outcome, of purpose. And I think that is what's shining through all of this, is that these church fathers and mothers thousands of years ago understood that what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1 and 2, they gathered in the upper room. They says they were gathered in prayer. The Holy Spirit's poured out, tongues of fire. We all know the story. And 3,000 are saved in one day, right? That event was not just an event to them. It was a culture. It was a prototype. And you see that throughout the entire book of Acts, where Acts chapter two, they're doing it. Acts chapter three, they're going back to the temple, you know, at the time of prayer. Acts chapter four, they're back in the upper room in another prayer meeting. Earthquake hits the prayer meeting. They're all filled (laughs) with the Holy Spirit. Again, same guys. Two chapters later, you know, Acts five, they're continuing to devote themselves to this lifestyle of prayer. Acts six, you know, you have the apostles are realizing there's tens of thousands of believers now in Jerusalem, scholars believe. And they're realizing if we don't stay connected to this place of of encounter with Jesus, this move of God will plateau. And it's so urgent to them in Acts 6, they go, we've got to raise up these deacons that'll do some of this work, which is just as important to the Lord, but it needs to get done so that we can devote ourselves to the to prayer and the word. In other words, they have to stay in that rhythm of encounter with Jesus together in the word and in prayer as a lifestyle, as a central focus, not a peripheral issue. That's what we see in these. They knew that the centerpiece of their community in Jerusalem was not just the human need around them, which is important to the Lord, but the centerpiece is actually Jesus himself, the personal presence of God was the epicenter. And so all through the book of Acts, you see this rhythm 
You know, and of course, it goes all the way back to the beginning of the biblical narrative. You know, the very creation in the garden, it was Adam and Eve walking with Jesus, walking with God in the coolness of the day. And God gave them dominion out of that place of intimacy. In other words, like we are created, we are hardwired, we are designed to encounter God in the most fundamental way. And, and that that's not just charismatic experiences. That's a life of interaction. It's an unbroken conversation, but it's not just my personal quiet time. It's how we do it together. Like dream with us for a minute, those that are watching in your city. If you had that same culture as Antioch, you had a you had communities of people that were in a rhythm of nonstop worship, presence of God, prayer and intercession as one. Imagine what would happen in that region. It's more powerful to have a hundred people in a region doing that than thousands of people in the region spinning their wheels trying to accomplish things just through human ingenuity, right? Like God's yeah. power is the secret sauce of the book of Acts, not personality. And, and sometimes we're tempted to do personalities, not the power of the spirit. So this is what they knew. And so when you get to Acts 13, I mean, there's more to the narrative in the book of Acts, but by the time you get to Acts 13, this is the why behind the what. They knew that if they will stay plugged in as a family and a community, if they will stay plugged in, the move of God that they've been experiencing will not plateau. It'll actually crescendo that there's a forward movement as we're plugged into intimacy. And there's an end in and of itself because they realized there was an innate spiritual hunger for communion with Jesus at the core of the community. And so that's an end in and of itself. But there's also a sense of unbelievable and supernatural momentum that will hit any community that will embrace these values. Any community, you're, if you're watching this today, you're a leader, you're in the marketplace, you're running a youth group, you're running a house of prayer, a local church. If you will, as a community, embrace the same culture that they walked in Antioch, you will see supernatural overflow of the Holy Spirit's expansion of things beginning to take place, storylines beginning to unfold that you could never produce within yourself. And they knew that. I'm convinced when they were ministering to the Lord with fasting, they knew, number one, that there's no greater joy, there's no deeper hunger than communion with Jesus with the community. But secondly, there's a divine narrative that involved unreached peoples, because they knew that because Saul of Tarsus was there called to the Gentile. There was a divine narrative that was global in sphere, and they were part of the narrative. And they knew the way to walk out Jesus' dream was to stay connected to him at this level, to minister to God. Worship was not a unique calling to the church at Antioch. It wasn't like the worshipers over here, the intercessors over here, and then everybody else. Worship and intercession in community was the fabric. It was the culture of every single person in the community because they knew, really, it's not about worship. It's not about prayer fundamentally. It's Jesus. That yeah. was what they were connected to. So it was Antioch that launched Paul, right? Like Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, came out of this greenhouse of the church at Antioch. That's where he came from. And it changed the entire world. Paul wouldn't have launched without the Antioch. In fact, this is probably about 14 years after Paul was encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. We're talking about over a decade after he had that conversion experience 
um, in Acts chapter 9. So likely this was an extended period of time between these chapters. As you're reading it, it looks pretty short, but actually it was a bit longer. It's probably a decade or more. And Paul needed an Antioch in order to launch into what he had. He couldn't just do it. And many people want to do the purposes of God without an Antioch that's going to be in relationship and in that corporate movement of worship that God inhabits and then launches and expands. And so, you know, the missions movement, the gospel proclamation, all of that just explodes out of Antioch. I mean, ultimately thousands and hundreds of thousands and in really in a true sense, millions were brought to Jesus were, were ushered into God's kingdom because this church at Antioch uh, stuck their flag in the crown as it you know were and just said we're we're gonna live with Jesus in this specific way. So you know I think that communities like this all over the world are at the point of the spear. It's in China, it's in Europe, it's in Africa, South America, North all over the world, Jesus is raising up Antioch communities. And they're diverse, they love the word and the spirit, and they minister to God with fasting. And there's a creative, prayerful culture to the communities that are hosting the Lord's presence, hosting Jesus. And then out of that comes evangelism and missions at a higher level than we could produce ourselves. So I love it. Yeah, man, I, I think that this template is for local communities across the earth. And it's local churches, but it's also region wide. Right. In many places. It's it's not just this church down here, but it's what if cities began to move in this rhythm? Yeah. Of coming together, of collaboration and of unbroken movements of worship and prayer for decades. Not even just yes. let's do this for six months. What if we dream about how do we build towards decades within your city of this culture of nonstop worship and prayer, unity and relationship and friendship and partnership and the centrality of God's presence and his word? That changes everything. And so, yeah, I'm yeah. really excited about this. I think it's why Awaken the Dawn exists as a, as a movement, is to serve that purpose. Campuses, cities, regions, churches, moving in this culture and embracing these values is going to change. It's going to change. It's going to awaken a generation, actually. Young people are yes. born. When we did our first 24-hour prayer event ever, it was all young people, I remember. And it seemed like the most bizarre thing to do with a bunch of 17-year-olds. It wasn't in any youth manual I'd ever read. And <laughs> and yet it was the most transformative thing for these kids. They're born for it. They're born for something that is outside of just meeting human need only. You know, right, right. They're born for they're born for Jesus' presence. So this this culture is it is for the next generation. Yes. I love it. It's awesome, man. <laughs> I know you so, don't agree with any of that, Matthew. So I'm trying to convince you today. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> no, I I love it. I love it. It's so the heart of God. It's it's the culture of heaven on earth, and it's so powerful. And when you begin to experience it, you know, and get a taste of it, it's like, you know, you're ruined for anything else. So well, you wrote a great book on this. You wrote hey. the Tabernacle <laughs> of David because David's Tabernacle was this same prototype three thousand exactly. years ago. Same thing. That's why God picked David. I'm convinced he man after God's own heart, 17 year old kid in the field. He picks him because he yeah. knew David would model this exact value, the centrality of God's presence 
in Israel. That was that was what David built on. 4,000 musicians, 288 singers, tabernacle, the ark in the center of the government, center of the nation. He, he modeled it. And so you wrote a great book on it. So I'm, put, I'm giving you a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. But yeah, I think I think there's some really interesting connections between the church at Antioch and uh, the Tabernacle of David, actually. And for sure, uh, what, what's happening there in Acts 13 with Antioch and all that you just described is is what really inspired what happens a couple chapters after that mm-hmm. in Acts 15, where they get together in Jerusalem and they're trying to figure out what's going on because this Antioch movement is exploding. And they say, hey, what's happening is the restoration of the tabernacle of David so that all mankind could seek the Lord. And so, yes, yeah, that's that's what the Lord's doing right now. And it's amazing. That was a, a great encapsulation of of those values, that blueprint that God's putting in our hearts. And I just want to encourage anybody that's tuning in. If you align your life, your community with these values, you're going to see God begin to move powerfully in your world, because these things are at the heart of God right now. These are on his heart for what he's doing in the earth right now. So, you know, a lot of times people will say, how do we start some kind of expression of sustained lifestyle, worship and prayer, that rhythm to get, how do we start that? How do some people say, how do you start a house of prayer? Or how do you start? And and honestly, the answer is very, very simple. You do it, you pray and you worship. (laughs) You don't need to come up with some overly complicated strategy, although those those are health strat, long-term strategy, but you start with the next step. You start by going, let's gather our friends once a week. I mean, as simple as that is, and then that can trans that can transition to twice a week. And eventually you might even be able to have it daily. Um, I think daily is a good thought for regions, mm-hmm. you know, or five days a week, maybe. Dream about that. Let it you don't think you don't have to think 24 seven for any of this to count. It could be way simpler than that. But I tell you what, a city, any city that has daily worship and prayer in community, any city, no matter how small it is, is moving into this divine narrative as a whole region, just by the very presence of that expression within the city. So even when it looks small and weak, it is extremely significant from, I think, heaven's perspective. hundred percent. I was on a call last night with some of our Waking the Dawn tent hosts, and one one made a comment. They said that they've tried to do big citywide events to really reach a lot of people, and it's been hard and a lot of work and labor. Some of it's been good, but they hosted a tent a few months ago, and they said they had the realization, if we just gather our friends and try to touch the heart of God, God will begin to move in our city rather than us trying Absolutely. to do what God needs to do. And um, I thought that was beautiful. They just said, hey, if we get our friends together and we touch God, he'll begin to move and do way more than we could ever try to do. It's so true. So so simple. It can be so simple. And so we encourage everyone to just step into it, even in small ways, whatever you can do and watch mm-hmm. what happens. So, well, David, maybe we can shift here and we'll, and maybe you could start to share a little bit of what's happening with your family and with Awaken the Dawn and why, you know, some of these things we've been talking about are, are so relevant for this season we're in. Attention, pastors and ministry leaders. We want to invite you to an ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, Utah, July 26th through the 28th. This ATD Leadership Summit 
is for leaders from across America that carry a shared value of hosting the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer and gospel proclamation. Our Awaken the Dawn team will be hosting the event, including David Bradshaw, Matthew Lilly, and David Valier. When you join us for this summit, you will experience real and refreshing connection with like-hearted leaders in an informal, fun, and relational environment, including four free meals together, teaching and training sessions catered to pioneering presence-centered ministry leaders, spirit-filled and life-giving times of worship, prophetic ministry, and prayer to refresh your heart, interactive breakout sessions and workshops to dialogue about practical ministry challenges, and a regional worship and prayer gathering the weekend after the summit. To learn more and register, go to awakenthedawn.com today. Again, join us for the ATD Leadership Summit in Salt Lake City, July 26th through the 28th. Register now at awakenthedawn.com. We can't wait to see you there. Yeah, well, it has been an unusual season for us. Um, I'm thankful that when any of us give Jesus our 100% yes, God begins to unfold things in our lives. And at times there's surprising things. I've said there's three times in my life I can think of where I really believe there was like a thus said the Lord, like a real directional deal where God said to do something. This is the third of those moments in my life personally. And so it's a big, big thing happening, but it's an unfolding of a much broader narrative that we're one small piece of. And it is this multiplication, replication, and expansion of these Antioch communities. And so, you know, obviously with Awaken the Dawn, we've been serving in, like I said, about 800 different gatherings on cities and campuses. And so we are serving citywide movements all over the nation. And at the same time, we've had a base here in Fredericksburg where we have a really, it's focused largely on training. And that's the component here of Antioch. Because they were a community of the word and the spirit, there was a real training dimension. Dimension. It was like a greenhouse for the next generation at Antioch. And that's the reason we had, one of the primary reasons we had a more centralized base to also serve all these decentralized things. So just to communicate clearly, we love and are passionately committed to a decentralized serving of communities all over America through tents and resources and all that. But at the same time, we saw value in having kind of an HQ, which was here in Virginia, where we had a school called Revive School and a prayer room and, and a local church community as well. And all of those things um, It's called Revive uh, Church or Revive School is here. And so we were content with that, serving the broader body of Christ through Awaken the Dawn across the nation. But a number of months ago, I was down in Tampa, Florida, and we have amazing just friends there we've brought the the big tent down there and had and god did some incredible things and in fact we saw god's been doing some amazing movements in the tampa bay region with reconciliation of major churches and pastors uh the expansion i think it's about 30 or so like worship and prayer house of prayer type communities and so that's been amazing and we're actually just by by god's grace we're able to participate in that and have a, a real role in some of that transpiring. So that was really amazing, but no thought of anything else. So I'm down there. I'll tell a brief story just because there's some supernatural components, but yeah. to encourage us, uh, but I'm down there for an event. They did a stadium event called Together 
in Tampa Bay where they had, I think it was about 50 plus churches that shut down their Sunday services, went into a stadium, a minor league baseball stadium for the day and held a Sunday morning prayer meeting on Pentecost Sunday. It was just amazing. I mean, when does that happen in a city where everybody shuts down their Sunday services? I mean, that in and of itself is never, a, yeah, is a bit of wow. a sign and a wonder. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I've ever heard of that. So I was down there for that event. I'm driving around Tampa by myself after the event. And all of a sudden I'm gripped for the region and I'm calling my wife and I said, I've never experienced this for another region in this way. I mean, we travel all the time and serve cities everywhere, but something unique was stirring for Tampa Bay. And so we decided we'd go on a three-day fast and just say, Lord, what do you, you know, what's in your heart? Didn't tell anybody about this stirring for Tampa Bay because for the first time ever, I was asking the question if we're supposed to, for a season, actually relocate our family to be in the region. It was that strong of a stirring. That was not something I particularly wanted to do because we feel very happy here in Virginia. It wasn't a discontentment here. It was just this encounter with with the Lord. I'm driving around Tampa Bay and Ash and I go on like a three-day fast in secret. We don't tell anybody. And we have a board meeting and one of our board lead uh, members says, let's pray that God gives David and Ashley a dream tonight. But they didn't know anything about Tampa. So no knowledge of that. And the next morning I get a, a text message from someone in Tampa Bay, a pastor. And he says, I had a dream about you. I really feel like I need to share this with you. I never do this, but can you call me? So I call him and I'm, I'm thinking as I'm dialing the phone, I go, if this dream is about us relocating to Tampa Bay, that would be crazy. You know, call yeah. him. Sure enough, in the dream, we relocate our family to Tampa Bay. I mean, that's bizarre because we were on the third day of a fast asking God that specific question. This guy yeah. doesn't know. Nobody knows about the fast or the question. And there it is. Day three, guy has a dream after they pray. So I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? So we go down to Tampa, Ashley and myself, my wife and I, and we're down there and, you know, we're sitting with this couple of, that are dear friends, Gio and Destiny Munoz. They lead uh, Abide Church in uh, Brandon, Florida, Tampa Bay area. And we're sharing this with them. What the dream that, that Caleb had, the pastor down there and our our journey. And as we're sharing it, all of a sudden we're like tearing the whole, the four of us are there tearing up in this restaurant and Destiny saying, I don't know why I feel the presence of the Lord so much. And we're in this. And right after we finish the conversation, Destiny gets a text message from somebody with a dream that they had like five months ago. And basically in the dream, Ashley and myself walk up to Geo and Destiny and say, we are supposed to be with you in Tampa. That, that's the essence of the wow. dream. There's a little more to it. I mean, that was remarkable. I mean, it's like, what yeah. are you supposed to do, you know? And so <laughs> we we go from there. Um, we're in a hotel. We're, we're, we're in, staying in a hotel down in Tampa. And my wife, is, we're just in this conversation. I mean, this is disrupting our world. Like for those that follow oh, yeah. Jesus, Jesus will disrupt your world at times. And uh, it's for your good. And it's for this expansion, this movement that he, that's in his heart. So anyway, we're disrupted. And Ashley says, I really feel like, she says, I feel like I'm almost in travail. And uh, she shares. And so we just spent the evening praying, basically. And and one day, at the end of the evening, uh, one day, at the end of the evening, Ashley turns to me and she says, I believe we have to do this. And that was a, that was the moment, right? Like, I've never heard her talk that way. And I knew we're in a whirlwind right now. And Jesus is inviting us into something. And so 
you know, the next day we drive over, we had a meeting actually with uh, Daniel Kalenda from CFAN and we're driving to Orlando from Tampa and we're saying, we're not going to bring any of this up with this at this meeting because, you know, it, it, this isn't about that. We just don't want the drama of all this in the meeting. So we sit down yeah. at the meeting and our friends, Jim and Evelyn are there and Jim turns in this dinner and he says, well, we're driving over here and Evelyn prophesied that you guys pointing to Ashley and I, you guys are moving to Florida. And I went, wow. What? And I said, this is absolutely bizarre. So then we come home and I'm still disoriented. I don't know if, if you've ever been disoriented like that, where it's just like, God, I did not see this coming. Um, but here we are. And Ashley says, you should call your friend Benjamin and get him to pray for you right now in the midst of this. And so I just sent him a text just like, hey, man, can you can we grab a phone call? That was the text. Well, I get a text right back from him. And he says, I'm so glad you texted. I've been praying for you for two weeks. I need to talk to you about ATD and Florida. And I'm just in shock. We haven't told almost anybody about this. Certainly yeah. not. Him. And then he calls me and I don't say anything. I'm like, what's going on, Ben? And he's like, oh, yeah, I had a, he had a dream where we were in Florida and back and forth between Florida and Virginia. Anyway, that really helped seal it because then I, I knew he never could have fabricated that. That was really the Holy Spirit just confirming. So after all, that was all about a week events that happened, just kind of one after the other. So so we realized, okay, it's time. And so we're in the process now. I'm going to be back and forth between Virginia and Florida. There's going to be, from we're going from one base, ATD base to two. Now we're still serving churches, regions, communities all over the nation. So that's still in our heart, grassroots, tense America, the whole thing. But now we're the reason we're raising up multiple bases is because we believe God wants to raise up these almost these model Antioch type communities that are training their school and training environments for the next generation. There's the centrality of Jesus and the presence and worship and prayer. There's a lifestyle, a culture of that. And then there's local community, local church community expressions as well in those environments. And, and we believe that God wants to multiply that, replicate that, increase that. And we want to see some of these prototypes. So we're going to be partnering. ATD is going to be partnering with Abide down there in, in Tampa. And we're going to see go from one base to two. And then, you know, who knows what it looks like beyond that. I believe there's going to be multiplication expansion even more so. While at the same time, we're serving grassroots movements all over the, you know, all over the nation. So this is a huge deal for us. We would appreciate all your prayers, those that are around. but you know, I think understanding what God's actually doing in this is championing and expanding these values so that they can be multiplied and replicated all over the nation and the nation. So that's what we're excited about. We're excited about for our family. Yeah. We're going to have a brief sabbatical moment as well there at the beginning. So we're, it's a family decision as well. So uh, we are excited. So for those that have been in the ATD world, you're in our extended relationships, your prayers would be appreciated as we make this transition and we're just excited to see how all this unfolds. It's amazing. It's really cool. I'm excited for you guys. Excited for Bradshaw's and the team that uh, ATD is sending down there. I yeah, mean, I you. feel like probably probably since 2017, there hasn't been quite this significant of a of a story with so many prophetic confirmations and dreams and things that are just really undeniable where God's saying, this is what needs to happen next. Yeah. 
uh, obviously that is relevant for you and for ATD, but I, I think it's a word, you know, I think what happened in 2017 on the national mall, it was, it was an amazing event, but it was also like a prophetic word from God about what's important and, and those values we talked about for the first half of this episode, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that this is as well about God's desire for these communities, for all of us, for his church to gather around his presence, minister to him in these you know diverse creative communities, and then engage in the Great Commission. And so I hope that as you hear David's story, you don't just go, oh, wow, that's a neat story, David, but you go, okay, God, what are you saying? Because mm-hmm. I do believe the Lord's speaking. I've kind of like walked with you guys over the last few months, just kind of hearing this a few times. That's mm-hmm. that's been what's in my heart. It's just like God is speaking again. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's always speaking, but He's really trying to highlight some things as we head yeah. into 2023 that I think are really important to His heart. So, yeah, and we're all on the journey together. You know, God's joined us. We're interconnected in the sense that this process, the the great adventure, really, of seeing this multiplication reality at the individual and community wide level and university campus level. I mean, this. This thing is about to go to the next level. It's about to expand all over the world. I mean, there's no question about that. And, yeah. and I think universities are primed for it. I think high schools, I think cities and regions, God's setting the table for a move of God. You know, I I would encourage, we didn't talk about it, but I would encourage those watching to look at the history, even church history on this. Get immersed mm. in the story. Get your own heart immersed in the story. Find yourself in the story, you know? Study the Great Awakening. Study Azusa Street. It's this exact same culture. He's moving in a unique and amazing way in our generation. And I just, I think it's just such a joy to get to be a part. You know, this we get to do this. Yeah. Um, it's not just that we have to. This is our, it's an unbelievable privilege to be able to be a part of this. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I think that for those that are watching, uh, what's Jesus doing in your region? And how can you participate with that? And man, it'd be such a amazing testimony. If even those that have watched this podcast would go, you know what? I, I need to take some steps in my community to align with that Antioch culture and begin to move towards it. And it could be small steps, but it, it is life-changing. And the ramifications are so, so significant. So we're, we're yeah. excited about the next year to see, see that unfold. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Obviously you're going to be in transition, getting settled in Tampa, taking a little bit of a sabbatical, which is much deserved. But as you look kind of beyond that, is there anything, as we kind of wrap up the episode here, is there anything that's just kind of stirring in your heart for Awaken the Dawn that you might want to just share with people here at the end? Yeah. You know, I I think that uh, one of the things burning in our hearts is university campuses right now. I think that this model of public worship, creativity, and prayer with gospel proclamation is simple, but it could shake campuses. That's very much on our team's heart right now as we're looking with Tent America and looking towards 2023 and 2024. I believe there's going to be a multiplication. I know we're so we're overusing that word on this episode, but of of tents, of communities that the invitation is do it in your own culture, do it in your own geography, do it in your own sound, in your own way. And if we can serve that, this is what we're dreaming about in a major way for 2023 is how do we see these values play out and grow all over 
the nation, but but on campuses in particular, I think is a, is a burden. It's something we're really dreaming about right now. So excited to see that unfold in 2023 and Kent America begin to to grow. And we are right now uh, leaning into that for the next year. So it'd be fun. Awesome. Good, good. David, this has been amazing. Love the biblical story, insights, revelation, and excited about uh, all the expansion and multiplication for Awaken the Dawn in 2023. So this has been awesome, man. Everybody be praying for David (laughs) and the team that's going down to Tampa. Yeah, we have a team going with us, so pray for all of us. For sure. Awesome. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We would love for you to hit follow or subscribe in whatever app you're using so that you can continue to get episodes like this every month. If you enjoyed today's episode, do us a favor and please share it with your friends and post it on social media. Be sure to tag Awaken the Dawn in your post so that we can reshare that with all of our friends as well. If you're tuning in on Apple, please leave us a rating or review. And if you're on YouTube, give us that thumbs up like button and leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of today's episode. And we really appreciate it. Finally, please visit our website at awakenthedawn.com. You can find out more about our ministry and movement, and you can also make a donation to help support this podcast and the Awaken the Dawn ministry. Thank you again for tuning in today, and don't forget, Jesus changes everything.